music and stuff like that, that if we'll allow it to get our hearts and minds centered on the Lord. Uh, there's so much in the world that's constantly got our attentions, and uh, if it wasn't everything else that happened, it was one of the cars right in front of you as you was trying to get to church. Uh, but, uh, you know, music has a way of just helping us worship the Lord to get our mindset. It's a way that we can praise the Lord uh, and magnify Him. And, uh, boy, sometimes when you listen to the words you're singing, uh, like, I will trust you, and yet, then again, do we? Uh, or, you know, I'll follow you, but then do we? You know, uh, sometimes we need to be careful that we're not lying, uh, you know, when we're singing. But uh, it's a great way to help get our minds stilled and ready. Um, we're going to start off, if you want to turn with me, to Job uh, chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 21. We're going to go to several passages. Um, one of the things I've learned a long time ago is give people chapter and verse of why they should uh, listen to what you're saying. Because if I'm just telling you what I think, it's in my opinion. And, you know, like if I was trying to sell you a diet product, uh, you would probably not buy it, you know, uh, because there isn't evidence. Uh, but the thing is, if I can give you chapter and verse, uh, if you're saved, God the Holy Spirit can help you see the exact same things that I'm trying to share. If you're lost, God can use his word because nobody ever gets saved without God's word being involved. Amen. It's God's word that draws us, woos us to him. And it's, uh, so the thing is, the word of God will always bear fruit. And so that's where we need to find our inspiration for what we say and uh, also the um, authority for what we say. Um, you know, there, the, we're going to look at a deal here. It says, thereby uh, good shall come unto thee. Uh, is this not what we all want? You know, that good will come unto you? I mean, you know, there's lots of things you can put on your wish list as far as maybe particular things, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, we want good things to come unto us. And we see here in uh, Job chapter 22, in verse 21, it says, Acquaint now thyself with him, and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. And so the thing to look at, there's a, almost every one of God's promises, there is a prerequisite. There is something you have to do to be able to claim the promise. Uh, you know, it says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, talking about the worldly things that Christ had been discussing before that, will be added to you. Instead of worrying about, am I going to have this? Am I going to have this? Christ says, I can provide all of that. What you need to do is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he can add all these things to us. In Job's case, what he's talking to us here is, acquaint now thyself with him. Now he's talking about the Lord. So we're to acquaint ourselves to him. We're to get to know our God. And then because of that, it says, acquaint thyself uh, now th thyself with him and be at peace, and thereby good shall come unto thee. 
so the key is, uh, you know, how do we acquaint ourselves with God? How do we start this process if we're not closely following the Lord at this point in time in our life? And I think one of the things that we all would agree on, anybody that's been in a uh, church very long, is that you do it through the Word of God. Uh, you could go with me to write in the same book to the next chapter, chapter 23, uh, and we'll look at um, verse 12, and it says, my eyes are bothering me a little bit tonight, so forgive me here as I focus a little bit. It says, neither have I gone back from, the com from, from the, the, uh, thy commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now that's, that's holding God's word in pretty high esteem. Wouldn't you agree that, in other words, more than my necessary food? Now, it's obvious a lot of us eat more than what's necessary, uh, but he's saying even if it was my necessary food, I would rather hear God's word than have my necessary food. And that, that's putting God's word on a pretty high pedestal. And the, but through it, that word esteem, it means to regard with respect, uh, to prize. Uh, Romans uh, 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, faith, in other words, the way you get more faith is that more uh, the word of God you either hear preached, taught, or you read yourself. The more of it you incorporate into your life, you're going to have more faith. Well, what is faith? Faith is an action word. Faith isn't knowledge. Faith is action. Now, sometimes it takes faith just to sit still and be patient and wait upon the Lord. I've had times in my life when it looks like the sky is falling and, you know, do something, you know, be, you know whatever, and yet, sometimes the smartest thing you can do is just wait on the Lord. But how do you sit there when you think your world's falling apart and everything like that and, and just wait? I mean, that's sometimes the hardest thing you could ever find yourself doing uh, is just having the faith to wait. Uh, but the thing is, um, go with me if you would. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about it. But go with me to the gospel, of, or not the gospel, but the book of James, chapter 1. I told you we was going to jump around a little bit. But in James chapter 1, and starting in verse 22, James says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or like a polished piece of brass or mirror, uh, so you're looking at yourself. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Again, good things coming your way. But 
the thing is with um, you, you have to ask yourself he says to be a doer and again you're going to have to forgive me a little bit tonight uh, my eyes are messing with me a little bit I get dry eyes and it causes some issues my father used to joke if he wanted privacy all he had to do was take his glasses off it used to be funny uh, <laughs> It's not near as funny anymore. Um, but um, you ask yourself, you know, why does God insist that we be doers and not hearers only? Well, it proves that you really do believe he's there. If you get busy doing and not just hearing, it proves you really do believe he's there. You have respect for him. You have faith that he is there, and it's a respectful fear or respectful faith. In other words, you know who is speaking. When you read the Word of God, it's God that motivated, God the Holy Spirit that motivated the writers to write it. Now, you know, I could write you a letter and give you some instructions on something I want you to do, and you could look at it and say, who's Brother Rick to think I'm going to do that? But do you really want to act that way to God Almighty? You know, uh, that to hear and to understand and yet not to be a doer is saying, I know who said it, but I don't care. Now, that's pretty bold, wouldn't you agree? But also you look at it from, has your kids ever done something that almost got them hurt real bad and First, you're so happy they didn't get hurt, but then after that, you halfway want to throttle them because they scared you to death. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, we have a heavenly father that loves us. You know, he, he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. Then he sent people into our lives to draw us to Christ and to teach us and to love on us and bring us to the nurture and ammunition to the point where we understood that we needed to get saved, and then the grace of God washed away our sins because we put our trust and confidence in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to live in our heart uh, to help lead us, guide us, comfort us, uh, all these things. And yet he, the same God, the Holy Spirit, that's supposed to guide us, direct us, comfort us, uh, and stuff like that, he was the one who inspired these writings well, don't you think he inspired them to be a help to us, to be a, a shelter for us, a protection for us? Don't go here. Uh, you know, add these things to your life. Don't add these things to your life. But to do that, you have to be a doer. You can't just be a hearer. So the thing is, we have a choice. When we hear what the Word of God says, that faith where it says, you know, um, you know, the Word of God, the more you read it and everything like that, it adds to your faith. It can give you the faith to step out and be a doer. And then the thing is, that doer, let's go over to James chapter 2, and then we'll look at verses 14 through 20. And these are very common verses to a lot of people. James writing, and he's not talking about salvation, working for salvation. But how many people have you known in your life who will profess I'm saved but they never do anything for the Lord 
that there's no change. I don't want a God and a Savior that didn't change me. I don't want to be the same man I was before, and thank God I'm not. So the thing is, what um, James is talking about as far as your works, it's not a sign that you're working to get saved. It's a sign you truly are saved because you become a new creature in Christ. And so he sits there and he says in verse 14, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, that though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be warm and be filled, notwithstanding you gave them not those things which were needful to the body, what did it profit? In other words, I mean, you just sit there and gave words. You said, uh, be warm and be filled and, you know, and stuff like that. In other words, your philosophy is, I want you to be warm. I want you to be filled. I want you all this. That's my philosophy. But the real me is, did I do anything about it? Did I step out and do anything? One's your philosophy. The other's the real you. They should be intertwined. Uh, but a lot of people we know, they, they give lip service to one thing, but then you ask them to help in some way, and you can't find them. And so uh, James is talking about that if you're truly saved, and you say you have faith, that you, in other words, you put your confidence in Jesus Christ, James is saying, I know what Jesus Christ does to people when they get saved. They become a new creature in Christ. And they start acting different. I know I started acting different when I got saved. Uh, and all the things I really know well is me. And I know that Christ changed me. And I say this to just to everyone here, especially our younger people, I'd really like your attention, is if you've said you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, here's a good way to check it out. How do you act when there's nobody around watching? You know, when there's nobody around, what do you read? What do you watch on the computer? What, you know, all the different things you do. Did God change you? If God didn't change you, you might need to give some serious thought. Do you really have faith in Jesus Christ? Did you really accept the Lord? Did he really come into your heart? All of us are sinners, and you don't stop being a sinner when you get saved. All you are is a saved sinner. But because God, the Holy Spirit, comes into your heart when you really do get saved, there's changes that start taking place. There is a new want to. And when you want to do something, it's not so hard to give up some of the other things. It's not easy, but you can pray for the grace to do it. But he goes on and he says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Uh, so the thing is, being a doer, if you get acquainted with the Lord, and you get, the way to get better acquainted with the Lord, you got to get in his word. If you get into his word, his word's going to give you faith. If you have faith, since it's an action word, 
you're going to start applying to your life the things that you've read. You're going to be a doer, not a hearer only. So there's a trail here that I'm trying to follow uh, with this. And it's going to bring you about the same peace and that good shall come unto you. And we'll, we'll follow this trail a little further. Um, let me ask you this, a question. How does being a doer of the word acquaint you to God? Now, we've talked about reading the word of God uh, is the best way to get acquainted to God. But if you read the word of God, it's going to give you faith. And it's also going to give you instructions. And then with that faith, you're going to step out. You're either going to start getting things out of your life. You're going to start adding things to your life. You're going to be available to the Lord maybe to do some things. It's going to start changing you. But now as you're starting to do for the Lord, you're following this trail. How does the doing acquaint you to God? Well, let's look at, if you would, go with me to uh, John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. In the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 15, we'll look at verse 5, and it says, it says, I am the vine, the Lord Jesus speaking, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now, I remember... It may have been close to 20 years ago. It's over probably 15 years ago. Brother Kenneth brought one of his first messages over at the other building we were at. And he, he preached on this verse. And he brought out that he, he got the dictionary out. He got a lot of things out. He said, you know what the definition of nothing is? You know, and he wasn't being funny. You know, he was being funny. He, he's, you know, it's nothing. Uh, and so if you start becoming a doer, and you don't invite the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Holy Spirit to empower you and help you to do, you're going to do nothing. You're going to fail. In other words, without God helping you and empowering you, Jesus said if you're trying to do something spiritual and you don't go to, them, to the God for the grace and the power and stuff on your life, you're going to accomplish nothing. And that gets frustrating after a while. And, and so the thing is, you're going to get acquainted with God more and more because if you're being a doer and you're doing it for the right reasons out of motivation of your heart, you're going to want to see the fruits of it. If you're praying that your loved ones, you know, you want to see your loved ones get saved, you're going to be praying about it. You're going to be maybe doing some things as well, but you're going to be praying. If you want to see a Sunday school class grow, you're going to be praying. Uh, you're going to be doing things, but to doing, you want God to bless it, so you're going to get more and more acquainted with your God in your own heart. And the thing is, when you start praying about things, guess what God is bad about doing? What, what's he bad about doing? Pointing out things that you might improve on a little bit? That self-examination. How many of us just love self-examination? 
uh, yeah, you know, uh, so the, but the thing is, like I've told you before, almost every promise that God's got, there is a prerequisite, something you have to do to qualify for the blessing. And so the thing you have to do is a lot of times God will say, well, I do want to help you with this, Rick, but this part of your life that you're not surrendering to me is really hindering me being able to bless you and your family like I would like to. Uh, and so you sit there and make a choice. I like my sin, but I'd really like the blessing. You know, or you get tired of getting your knuckles whacked. Uh, you know, the preacher gets up and starts preaching. It seems like every Sunday he seems to somehow find that one deal, and that's God the Holy Spirit. And you make changes in your life. You be, so you get more acquainted with your God. Your prayer life gets deeper. Your Bible study gets deeper. And the Lord starts changing you and making more and more changes. You get so, such a change when you get saved. The very moment you get saved, there, for the first time, your spirit is quickened. You're in, able to pray and be heard. you got access to the throne. Uh, there are so many things that change just immediately. And then there's a desire to be around God's people. There's a desire to get into his word. There's a desire that you'd love all your lo uh, lost loved ones to get saved. All these things start happening when you first get saved. And then, little by little, the world has a way of chipping away at these things and cooling our fire and distracting us. But if you want to truly be blessed you got to get acquainted with god you get into his word word his word gives you faith that faith be, makes you become a doer and then the more you want to do the more you realize how much you're totally dependent on your god to help you and so you're going to get more and more praying and god's then going to turn the spotlight inward and start talking to you about things you need to change or add to your life. Some of you younger folks, I'll share something with you if you'll let me. Some, um, when I was about 23, 24, somewhere in that age group, I can't remember, but a thought came to my mind. I got saved when I was 18. We got married the same week I turned 19. Uh, and, but, and I've said this before, but God gave me a thought that the, God has given all of us a crystal ball to see the future. And you know what that crystal ball is? Is you look around and you find somebody that's older than you. It's getting fewer and fewer as I get older. But, uh, but you find an elderly saint in our church or whatever, you know, where you're at. And if they've got peace, joy, happiness, they're faithful, they're happy to be in God's house and stuff, well, they've seen everything this world can throw at you. Think about it. They've probably buried their grandparents. They've probably buried their parents. They may have buried spouses. They may have buried some children. They probably maybe even buried some of their brothers and sisters. They've seen everything life can throw at them. And yet if they still have happiness, that joy, a peace, Find, since God's not a respecter of persons, in other words, he won't, he's, he, he's willing, he doesn't love any of his children less than the others. But he has these prerequisites. In other words, I'll add that same peace to you. I'll give you that same joy. I'll give you all these things that you're looking for 
but you have to meet the same standards that that brother and sister in Christ that you're looking at and who has. And so it's, it's good for you to invest some time with us old folk. Uh, you don't have to be around as long. We'll start telling you how we had to walk to school uphill both ways. Now down here you can't say in the snow too much because, uh, but you know, we'll start rambling on about how, what the Lord's done for us in the past. But the thing is, you can see what God has added to their life or what they added to their life or maybe what they've cut out of their life so that they could be where they're at today. And then you can also look around and find some folks that are bitter, grumpy, uh, you know, just not happy at all uh, and, and find out what they added to their life and shun it. Get away from it. You know, just don't, don't go down that road. But God's giving you, a, he's also giving you that same crystal ball. Look in the past at how many times he's already helped you. So you got a, a chance to look in your own life backwards. But I guarantee you, since God's not a respecter of persons, anything he's done for any of the other saints in this church, he can do it for you, but you have to add the same things to your life that they added or get rid of some things. And that's also becoming more and more acquainted with your God. And he uses a lot of the elderly saints in the church to help you see it. You, you can see it if you'll look for it. Now, we move ahead, and i got to remember, because Brother uh, Zach's going to come in here at 8 o'clock and throw me out, uh, because the uh, Awana Club's coming here in just a minute. But... Um, There, uh, Job said back in our original text that thereby good shall come unto thee. He, and he tells us that we can uh, be at peace. And then also he talks about the, uh, you know, the good that shall come to us. One of the things I'd like you to look at with me, we'll talk briefly about, and then I'll close, is some of these promises that I've been kind of talking about, benefits that are available to us. And if you want to go with me, I will have you go to Romans chapter 8. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And um, and in Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 14 through 18. Um, says um, for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father that's like the word Abba is like daddy it's just a close affectionate name that we can call our father because he loved us so much he sent Jesus to die for us and when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ he adopts us into his family and we can call him daddy you know uh, he, we're just given the liberty to he, he's our heavenly father and we ought to approach him with respect but we also never have to be afraid to go to him he's always going to be daddy and I don't care how old your kids get to be long as they're your kids, you're going to love them more than likely. If you've got any natural affection about you, uh, the only way you can get to where you don't love them is somehow, you know, 
you get to where you can't care, and I haven't found the parent yet that gets there. But it says, the, verse 16, but the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. That talks about the Holy Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be, glor we may also be glorified together. Uh, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Um, there is just something to, this life is so pressure-packed. There is so much burdens that we have to bear up under. And I don't care who you are, how, what age you are, there's stress, there's everything else out there. But it is a wonderful thing to know God Almighty is your daddy. And you have the chance to go to him in prayer. You can be the one that was wrong and got a far away. He's never left where he was. We may have to come back. But he'll never say no to you. If you come back with a repentant heart, he's always going to be there. Uh, we never have to be afraid to approach his throne. Uh, he... You know, he, he loves us so much. Look at what it says here in verse 14. It says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now the thing here is, we have a choice to either be led or not. We, know, we can read the Bible, we can have understanding, discernment about what God would have us to do, but we have a choice if we will let him. He'll take us by the hand like your little kid when you're about to walk over a busy street or something and you want to know, unless they yank their hand out of your hand and go running out into traffic, they're not going to get hurt because you got them. But, you know, how many times are we foolish and just say, no, I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to do it my own way. And then we pull our hand out. But the thing is, God will lead us. And this life is full of pitfalls and trouble and issues and there's so much we can be steered around and protected from if we'll just let God be the leader um, you know the thing is to think of how much God loves us that he sent his, his son Jesus to die on a cross he brought us to us think about you know he's made us a joint heir with Jesus Christ he tells us that he's put everything in heaven and earth under the feet of Jesus Christ. Think about that just a little bit. Everything that's in heaven and everything that's in earth, he has put under the feet or under the authority of Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ's obedience to him and willingness to come down and be born as a baby, live a perfect life, and go to the cross for us. And he did it in total obedience. And because of that total obedience, God has put everything in heaven and earth under his feet. And then he turns around in these verses and tells us he's made us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Just think about that. Think what our glory is going to be like in heaven. And you're, if you're saved, your citizenship is just absolute. It's, you're already there. You haven't died yet, but your citizenship, your position is absolute. And the thing is, though, we know we're not worthy, but he loves us that way because of what Christ did. He, and he's imputed the very righteousness of Christ to our account. But he loves us that much because of what Christ did for us. And he wanted to have a relationship with us. 
and really it's all in up to us. Do we want to get acquainted with our God? Do we want that deep peace? Do we want that leadership? Do we want to be able to do things for God? If we do, then we have to do it through Christ, do it his way, have him empowered or it'll turn into nothing. But all these things are available to us, but they come to us by getting acquainted with our God. And getting acquainted again, it comes back to getting in his word. His word is going to lead to faith or confidence in God, not in you, but in God. But then if you get that faith, it's going to turn you into a doer. If you become a doer, you're going to want it to be successful, so you're going to know where your strength comes from and where the power comes from. That's from God. You're going to go to him in prayer. You're going to beg for the things that you want to see accomplished, that you'd love to see people get saved. You'd love to see this. You'd love to see that. And you're doing it not for your own sake, but you're doing it for others' sake and for the kingdom. And the thing is, then God's going to reflect back on you and say, well, there's some things that we can do there, Rick, but first you've got to get rid of this. You've got to add this. And, and the more and more you do that, you're just getting acquainted with God. But think of the hedge of protection you're putting around yourself. Think of all the blessings you're bringing your way, all the prerequisites you're meeting so that God's able to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. All these things are benefits to us if we'll just follow the advice and get acquainted with our God. And if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as a, your Savior, that is the very first step on getting acquainted with your God. You've got to come to the saving knowledge of Christ. You've got to realize he died substitutionally for you on the cross. God couldn't have anything to do with Rick Morse before he got saved because Rick Morse was a filthy sinner. And God won't have anything to do. He wouldn't hear me. He wouldn't talk to me or anything. Now, he used his word to talk to me. He used people to express it. But once I got saved, everything that had to do with Rick Morse got washed away. He said he, 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 said he refuses to impute iniquity, uh, the, the psalmist says. In, impute means to put on record. Well, what's my righteousness? Filthy rag. So how much is Rick written on that page? Nothing. There's a name, maybe. But if he put anything down that Rick's done, it's filthy rags. And filthy rags isn't making it to heaven. That's the reason you can't work your way to heaven. How are you going to take the precious blood of Jesus Christ and add works to it, which is filthy rags, and somehow make it better? Uh, it's all Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross. But he's imputed the very righteousness of Christ to my name. And that's the reason I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. All the righteousness of Christ has actually been imputed to my record. And that's the reason he, he calls me his son. He's adopted me into his family. And he has made me a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, when we get to heaven, we're going to know why we're there. And that's where we're going to fall at the feet of Christ and throw our crowns at his feet and worship him as he deserves to be worshipped. But the thing is, there is so much available to us. If you go on down in the book of Romans, and I'm not going to take the time for uh, book uh, chapter 8 of Romans, it talks about our secure relationship, that there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ 
after we get saved. And so our relationship is everlastingly secure. But how acquainted with our God are we? Have we only taken it to the point where we got saved? Are we, have we really tried to get acquainted with our God and all the blessings that come with it, all the promises that we can claim? All these things are available to us as we get more and more acquainted with our God. I want to thank you all for your attention tonight. Brother Brock, could I get you to word our prayer?